0: The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke, chapter 1, beginning at the 26th verse. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, favoured one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be the angel said to her do not be afraid mary for you have found favor with god and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you will name him jesus he will be great And will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. This is the gospel of the Lord. To
1: Dear Lord, I do pray that what I share with your people this morning will truly bless them. So the long game of peace. The idea that God stayed the distance for achieving his desired peace in the world, no matter how long it took, adds to our awe and gratitude for all he has done for us. Especially as we can understand what it takes to to follow through on a goal, right from the beginning to the end, as a great procrastinator I do quite a bit of that in between, going from one part to the other. The trouble is that God's time is very different from ours. The Greek word for our time is chronos. It is linear, with a beginning and an end. Hence, we do things in chronological order. But a different word is used in the Bible for God's time, mainly kairos. This can mean the right time for God to do something from God's perspective and it involves both the past and the future woven together. It is now but not yet. An example of this is the kingdom of God which has come in Jesus but is not yet fulfilled and you and I live in that gap between those two things in time. Many years ago, God gave me a powerful glimpse of time from his perspective. At that time, through my studies of a very confronting period in history, I told him how powerless I felt to help the victims, which was strange, given that the horrors occurred decades earlier But then I heard him say very quietly, pray for them. That made no sense. How could my prayers all these decades later help them then? But once again, he said, pray for them. And immediately this picture formed in my mind. So in the center of the wheel, there is God. On the outside rim, rim, there's a spot there showing the beginning and the end of the world. Now, that spot could have been placed anywhere, but the idea is that right round the rim, you've got the history of the world. The spokes linking God with the world, of course, are Jesus. So God could see all things, hear all things, and know all things in the one moment. For him, time simply is. We might call it eternal time, if you like, eternity. So, St Peter understood this. And in his second letter, he reminds his readers that with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like. A day and so for God the concept of staying the long game for peace in this world in a way is a nonsense but because he knew how we approach life with our concept of time which as I said is linear he revealed in the scroll as the scriptures are called in Psalm 40 all his detailed plans and how they were fulfilled throughout the centuries right up to the time of the advent of the Christ. Of course, the other thing that we need to at least begin to explore is the concept of peace. (laughs) Given that it's not likely to be something we might say like, all I need is some peace and quiet. When we do explore it though, we will discover that the word peace is used 429 times throughout the Bible. Although the NIV in its normal ag- arrogant way replaces it with other terms. And the first time it is used in the Bible is in Genesis 15:15, 15, 15, right at the start where the Lord tells Abraham that you, however, will go to your fathers in peace and be buried at a good old age. A really comforting promise. If we continue our search, we will find that God's peace is one of his spiritual powers. Described in Philippians 4:7 as the peace of God that transcends all understanding. It's not something that we can comprehend with our minds, as it is spiritual. It may also be a gift from God, as the Apostles Peter and Paul often prayed for the recipients of their letters. For instance, in Ephesians 1, 2, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What a lovely blessing, which in turn reminds us of Jesus, whose coming is prophesied in Isaiah 9 and is described in verses 6 to 7 as everlasting father, prince of peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And we will remember his words in John's gospel in chapter 14, verse 27, when he is preparing the disciples for the time when he will not be with them And he says these beautiful words, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives and so he encourages them, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And just as peace is a spiritual force in God the Father and God the Son, so of course It is in God, the Holy Spirit. As Paul explains in Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness and self-control. So when we come to Luke's Gospel, we find that God's time, Kairos, and our time, Kronos, come together. Firstly, in order for Luke to convince Theophilus to abandon his pagan gods and put his faith in Jesus, he must show him that this faith is not something new but comes from ancient times. Therefore, he begins his gospel with a typical story from the ancient scriptures. This time about a barren woman in this case, Elizabeth, who was gifted by God with a special son who would have an important role to play in the history of Israel and the gospel, namely John the Baptist. And this had to be perfectly timed in the present to coincide with the angel Gabriel's visit to Mary, which it does, as Luke shows brilliantly by weaving the two birth stories together. Even allowing John in the womb to recognize the babe in Mary's womb with great joy and for Elizabeth to name him as her Lord. There is much celebration as both Mary and John's father Zachariah sing their praises then after what seems like a long moment, Luke suddenly takes a different tack and writes, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to his own town to register. Now for Joseph and Mary, that meant going to Bethlehem which involved a long and risky journey from Nazareth. For God, however, it was essential that they did because in Micah 5.2, it was written that the one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from ancient times, would be born in Bethlehem. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh,
2: good grief. Really? Yeah, we all, all, all these people ask, well, what's Rome ever done for us? Well, it's done a lot, actually. Really? You've forgotten that Rome actually built roads. And because of the roads, they were able to ensure that their armies went all over the place, keeping it safe for all the travellers. You've forgotten about that, haven't you? Oh, and you've also forgotten that uh, in terms of peace, there was the Pax Romana. Really? Yes, Roman peace all around the place, which meant their armies could travel all over the empire on these roads, making sure the people were safe. And uh, and the third thing, you've forgotten, that because of all that, people were travelling all over the place, lots of people, like the M1 over here, (laughs) lots of people up and down the highway, keeping each other safe. So long story short, Joseph and Mary and Jesus were safe and peaceful because of the Romans. Don't you forget that.
1: (laughs) So you thought I'd forget (laughs) that where there are Romans, there are roads, (laughs) and that they got rid of all the robbers and murderers that were on the roads? You're hiding behind the screen there. I can't even growl at you. (laughs) I'll have you know that I have watched the movie Life of Brian countless times. (laughs) So I know exactly what the Romans have done for us. (laughs) And what I was about to say to the people when you so rudely interrupted was that this is where God's prescience comes in. That is his foreknowledge of the choices people make that he can work with. Now remember the wheel, he can see everything, all right? In this case, it concerned the Romans. Augustus wanted a census so that he could tax people efficiently and maintain his power over the ever-expanding empire. And this just so happened to fit in with God's plans because as you have said, It involved the construction of excellent roads, which in this case would make it possible for Joseph and Mary to travel safely to Bethlehem on time. And not only that, God knew that the Romans had a vital role in spreading the gospel to the ends of the earth. And if you want to check that out, have a look at Acts, the whole book of Acts to see just how important the Romans were. To finish, there are two things that may be helpful in our work of faith. Firstly, I think it would be worthwhile to find some time this Christmas to ponder the peace that we have been given and the cost of that peace for the birth of our Savior must always be seen through the lens of Calvary. To help us, here are some of Paul's words in Romans that we could meditate on. In Romans 5.1, he writes, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And secondly, knowing how easy it is for us to let the worries of life take over, the Lord has provided us with the wonderful passage in Philippians 4, 2 to 7, that tell us the steps we may take to step back into God's peace. For instance, step one, living in harmony with other people. Step two, helping our co-workers, whether that's in our business or obviously within the church, he's thinking particularly. The third step, rejoicing in the Lord always. It's not all that hard to do, is it, when we are given so many wonderful songs that we can sing and we can count our blessings day after day after day. Step four, living graciously. That is living according to grace. Not only, <coughs> excuse me, to yourself, but families and anyone you come in contact with and then praying out our anxieties as it says be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God and as a result as we step back into the peace of God it says and the peace of God which surpasses all our comprehension shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.